You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. When you enter his presence with praise, he enters your circumstances with power. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. I hear a common theme this morning, and it's so exciting to just kind of see how God is just stirring our hearts toward this thing of worship this morning. And uh, welcome. Glad that you are here. I had an interesting week this week. I don't know about you, but uh, a lot of fun. I've got three children. My oldest is eight, my middle child is six, and my youngest is two. And uh, they're all a lot of fun. I love them each uh, just so much. But it's my middle child, Austin, who's the most unique out of all of them. And and it's just great. Uh, and I love to play practical jokes on him a little bit, and I love to just kind of mess with him. And so we were driving home from his Taekwondo class, and I was just messing with him, and I said, hey, I'm going to drop you off at Food Max. I don't know why. It was just a random dumb thing. I was just, I don't want to drop you off. You know, he was just being a boy, a six-year-old boy, and I was like, I'm just going to drop you off at Food Max. And here's what his comeback was. He was like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to tell people not to go to your epic Easter. I was like, what? Like, that's so messed up. Like, now I'm really dropping you off in the ghetto. I'm I'm just going to leave you there, like, for real, you know? So he knows how to go, like, another level and really mess with your head. So just don't mess with him, maybe, you know? It's it's just really sad to me that I I am outsmarted by a six-year-old, okay? So it's just uh, one of those unusual weeks. So just a lot of fun. Uh, Love kids, love my family. But we are looking this morning, and we're continuing our series of what would Jesus undo and this morning I want to look at the topic of worship and I've entitled this message something really unique uh, get me a guitar that's the title of the message you want to write that down or you just want to put that away in your mind that's the title of today's message get me a guitar and you'll see why in just a moment because when it comes to music when it comes to singing uh, it's kind of different isn't it I mean think about it today where do we actually sing outside of church you might sing in the shower you might sing in the drive to work or if you've had a few you might sing at a party or karaoke okay I got into trouble a few years ago I was a student pastor in another church across town, and uh, my my other uh, better half, Filipino, okay, so they have a karaoke machine. Now, this karaoke machine device is a microphone, and it's hooked to your TV. What they call this microphone, because it has like a thousand songs on it, what they call this microphone, you can buy it in the Philippines, they used to sell it at Costco, but after I share the story, you'll know why they stopped selling this particular microphone. And uh, so it's called the Magic Mic. And uh, so you plug it in and you sing. And so whenever I go to Filipino parties, it's always like, oh, okay, plug it in. We're going we're gonna to have a little game. And then you sing and it gives you a score, all right? And so the trick with that uh, little device is that you just got to sing loud and really direct into the mic and you'll get a high score. It doesn't, pitch has nothing to do with that microphone, okay? And uh, so I, I always thought it was fun to do karaoke and I was, I was a student pastor in another church. And so I'm not always 
with it, with current event type stuff. And so I'm telling our student mission, you know, there's like 60, 70 teens out there. I was like, yeah, it's great. We're going to have an activity and uh, we're going to do Magic Mike. And all of a sudden uh, there was a movie that was coming out about the same time with the same title. And all of a sudden all these students <laughs> told their parents that the student pastor was going to go take them to go see Magic Mike. Not good at all. Like all the calls that I could get that week, you know, that was not the call that my senior pastor, my boss wanted to get. You're taking a group of teenagers Magic Mike? Uh, you're fired. You're out of here. I was like, what are you talking about? No, no, no. It's a microphone. It's a, it's a magic mic, you know, and uh, not magic mic, you know, dancing. No, not that. And uh, so, uh, but when it comes to music, I mean, think about it. If you saw somebody singing at your, your, your work, it would just be a little bit odd, just a little bit strange. You're sitting there in your cubicle and somebody's just singing, you know, some song and you just kind of pop up like, Who's singing? Who likes their life right now? Like, I want to hit them. You know what I mean? It's just kind of different when you see somebody singing. Now, it's kind of interesting when you see, uh, you pull up to somebody and they're singing in their car. That's always kind of fun, you know? And they're just, they're just having a good old time and they're just singing and the, the window's down. You know, that's kind of somewhat normal. But, you know, we sing in the shower uh, because the steam opens up your vocal cords. So you have a really good range. So you like the way you sound. Plus with the tile, it just sounds really cool. So that's why we sing in the shower, right? And, uh, but anywhere else, we don't really sing. But then you come to church and if you're not from church, you're not a church background, come to church and seeing people sing is strange. I mean, the first time you walked into church, if, it, if it's fairly new to you and you saw a bunch of people singing together and then they started raising their hands, you're like, yes, I call on you. What's your question? You know, it's just a, it's, it's not a normal thing, right? And so when we come to church, if you've grown up in the church, you think it's normal, but it's not totally normal to everybody else. And then the fact that we sometimes do like both hands are like, it's good, you know, like they don't know what to do with it, right? And uh, so, and everybody has their, their own take on uh, lifting hands, not lifting hands. Uh, some are, are very reserved. I don't typically have a very reserved personality, so it's just kind of easy for me to get somewhat expressive. You know, I like to get expressive a lot. And uh, so I like to use my hands and express and, uh, you know, just get, getting out there, you know? Um, but then when it comes to worship for other people, they look at worship something else. They don't, they don't see it as expressive. And then when we use the word worship, what's happened today, and I almost feel bad that this happened. In 1974 is when we first started calling Christian music worship music. And I feel like that was the biggest disservice the church has ever had. You say, why? Why was that a disservice? Because now when you and I hear the word worship, if we've grown up in the church, we think it only happens the first 15 minutes of a service. And we don't understand that the whole service, our whole life is worship. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so I know sometimes people think, well, I just missed the singing. It's not a big deal. No, 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 it is. The whole service is worship. Oh, I'm going to skip out on the offering because I don't want to give them anything. You know, I don't want to do, be doing that. You know, I don't want to give my hard money. And uh, so that, that, that's not worship. And we miss out what is really worship. And so we're going to look at it because in John chapter number four, we're not going to turn there. We're actually going to be in uh, second Kings, but let me give you a story about a man by the name of Jesus sat down at a well and there was a woman at the well. And this woman has had a torrid past. She's had multiple uh, husbands and she's been divorced five times. And now she's just living with the guy. And this woman is obviously wanting to satisfy something. There's a craving and Jesus sits by a well because Jesus knows everything. 
thing. Jesus knows that she's going to come to that well to draw water. And Jesus says, hey, do you want the, the, the living water and uh, that'll satisfy your thirst? And she talks to him about spiritual things. She begins to open up that she's been trying to satisfy that deep longing of her heart and soul with other things. And Jesus then begins to tell her about worship. And then she, he, Jesus says in, verse, uh, in John 4, I want to read it, verse 23. He says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. And immediately we read that verse, and maybe you're familiar with Scripture, maybe you're familiar with the Bible, or maybe you're not. But at first glance, it kind of seems like, wow, God's kind of all about himself, kind of self-centered, like, he, he's looking for people to worship him. Like, I mean, you've seen thirsty people on social media. They're, they're looking for those comments, right? You've met those desperate people that are like, you know, you say, hey, nice shoes. You're like, the, oh, these old shoes, like these ones that just bought for $200, these shoes. You know, they're really hunting for compliments, you know, or, or they, they, they want to take you out of the parking lot to see their new car. And they're just casually like, hey, what cars do you like? You know, I mean, you could tell they're just desperate for that affirmation, that attention. So sometimes we feel like, well, maybe God's kind of, like that. But that's not the case at all. You see, God wants from us what he can't give himself. You say, what do you mean? When it comes to worship, God cannot give that, can't give it. You say, why can't God give worship? Because the act of worship means you are worshiping something higher than yourself. And there is nothing higher than God. So he cannot worship anything higher than himself. He is all there is. So when it comes to worship, he's looking for you and I to take part in our purpose in worshiping God. But here's where the church has a hard time worshiping God. You say, why? Because honestly, we don't really have anything to worship him about. Because when it comes to worship, we, we, we can open up the Bible and we kind of see that, oh, all these cool things about God. But then we look at our life and then we have all these reasons why we don't feel it. Like some of us got to feel it to worship. Some of us, we need different things to motivate us to worship. But when it comes to God, that's not what it is. He's looking for people who are worshiping spirit and truth. What is that? Spirit and truth means this. It means that you're just not ambiguously worshiping God. It means that you worship God intelligently, meaning you know who you're worshiping. Meaning, you know your God. You see, when you get to know your God, you will realize that he doesn't have to do anything for you. It's because of who he is that he is worthy of our worship. And when we understand that he's worthy, we give it. But what happens is, we aren't truly convinced that he's worthy. And that's why we don't give it. You see, when you're truly grateful for someone who has done something so kind and so generous and so loving, you, it, it, it demands a reaction from you. Otherwise, you're, you're horrible. You're mean. Uh, I'll give you an illustration. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's very hard for me to cry. I don't know why. Like, I'll just get around an emotional situation, and I'm just like, it's hard to cry. Like, it would help my marriage so much when Jane is so frustrated with me and she's crying. It would help my marriage so much. I could end the argument like that. I could end the fight like that if I would just start crying too. So I'll like, you know, you try. Like, you know, you're just trying to like get yourself to cry and think, puppies are dying, baby puppies, and you're cute little puppies. And you're trying to eke out a tear because if she could see you cry and then she knows you're not just this soulless, heartless machine that really does care about her, you know? And so it just really helped, but it's just so hard. Except when I start watching Toy Story 3 at the very end where the little toys start linking up arms and they're about to go down the incinerator. Now that moves me. Like that will get tears going. 
And I don't know why, right? Why is Pixar and Disney just got it down? I don't know about you, but Wreck-It Ralph, that wrecks me, man. I'm telling you what, I start watching Wreck-It Ralph, I'm dirty and ugly crier, you know, it just kind of moves. I don't know. But it's a combination of not only the story, but also the music. It's a combination of the two. And it begins to move us, which is going to take us into our text this morning, because when it comes to worship, many of us are saying, well, I don't have a very good voice, so I don't worship. But what happens is, because we feel like worship, we can't give God a very good worship, we just don't, or we're casual about it. And what's happening, because the church is casual about worship, the church is now a casualty, because we're so casual, we're cavalier about it. We're so like, ah, it's not a big deal. It's not really, I don't really sing. That's great, the worship pastor does, but I'm not really, that's not my thing. No, we're missing out. We're missing the point. And so God, I believe, wants to teach us, wants to show us about worship. And I love this quote about worship. Worship is all that we are reacting rightly to all that he is. You see, worship matters. Worship moves us closer to the heart of God. So we can't be cavalier about it. We have to step back and say, you know what? I believe that God has saved me. I believe he has risen from the dead. I believe what I, what I preach. I believe what I say. I believe what I live. This is true. And I've got something to worship him about. And so that's what's going to bring us to this passage in 2 Kings. Because we're going to meet a group of desperate kings. There's going to be three kings. Now, that's not the Christmas story, three kings. This is a different three kings. And uh, these three kings, they're going to make an attack on another nation called the Moabites. And so they're going to do a surprise attack. So they are going to march seven days through the desert. And they're going to come behind their enemy. And these three kings formed an alliance. And they're going to attack the Moabites. But all of a sudden, they get caught in over this seven-day journey in a desert, in a drought, there's no rain. And so their army can't march. Their horses can't move. Why? Because there's no water. They're now in a desperate situation and they don't know what to do. And so one of them has a great idea. And let's pick it up there. Second Kings chapter three, verse number nine. So the king of Israel, the king of Judah and the king of Edom went and they marched around seven days, but there was no water for the camp or for the livestock that followed them. The king of Israel said, alas, the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, is there a prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the servant of Shaphat, who poured water on the hands of Elijah is here. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to your father." prophets or to your mother's prophets. And the king of Israel said to him, no, the Lord has called these three kings to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not for my regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Verse 15, this is crazy. Now bring me a musician. Here's what's so fascinating. What they need is water not worship, right? Right? But isn't that how our hearts are prone? Our hearts are so prone that when we feel away from God, when we feel distant from God, we feel like we've got to work to do something to earn God's favor. We feel like we've got to do something. We, we tend to, as uh, people that call themselves Christians, we tend to move in the direction of works, always works. We always feel like there's something we have to do to earn God's favor. But here's the thing. God doesn't ask you to do anything. What he wants is your worship. But yet, why is it so hard for our hearts to move in the direction of worship? 
Why is it we can sit on a Sunday morning and man, we can sit there, we can listen to a message, but when it comes time to open our mouth and to express that he lives, that our God reigns, that he is worthy, that he is above all, that he is over all, all of a sudden we're strangely quiet. It's baseball season, and all of a sudden, man, the Giants, the A's are playing. It's the end of basketball season, and it's like we're watching these games, and we cheer, and we root. We get loud. We throw food at the TV screen. We just get upset. We get mad at the refs and the calls they make. We get so vocal, and then we get to church, and we're just like, God's frozen chosen. Like, what? What happened? Like, you're so expressive and so vocal everywhere else. I mean, you're expressing your vocal with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, with your, with, your, with your road rage. I mean, you're a very expressive person. Don't lie to me and say, I'm not expressive. I've seen you drive. You are expressive. All right? And so now when it comes to church, why is it that it's so hard for us? Why is it so hard for our hearts to worship? Why does it take everything inside of us where we're just like, oh, I don't want to sing. I don't want to worship. And I think it has to do with this. I think because we're just like these kings. I think we're filled with so much worry. We're filled with so much weight that the world puts on us with our finances, with our family, with friendships. Maybe it's relationship with our children. Maybe it's uh, something with our health. But we've got all this worry in our life. And so you get here on a Sunday, and man, it's all you can do to just drag yourself into church. And now they want you to worship. And you're thinking, I ain't got nothing to worship God about because my health is bad. My finances are bad. My relationships are bad. My job is bad. Everything is bad. Now you want me to praise God. Now you want me to be happy. I just, I just can't. But here's what I want you to see. This prophet, Elisha, he asked for a musician before he prophesied. He said, go get me a musician. What was he saying? Go get me a guitar. We need to worship God before we do anything else. And they were thinking, no, Elisha, we need a miracle right now. We need you to do something else. And maybe that's what you're thinking. You're sitting here thinking, God, I need a new spouse. I need a new job. I need to uh, win the lottery, God. I need uh, something to happen. And God's like, no, 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 you need to worship. You need to recognize who I am. You need to recognize what I can do. And so these kings, they see and they watch as Elisha begins to say, you know what, we're going to prophesy. So he said, bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of pools. For thus says the Lord, you will not see wind nor will uh, you see rain, but yet the valley will be filled with water that you may drink, both you and your livestock and your cattle. This, and I love this, is an easy thing in the sight of the Lord. And he will give the Moabites into your hand. Wow. You see, he gets a prophecy, but what happened before the prophecy? He needed to worship. You see, you know what worship does? And this is why I, I, I feel bad for you when you come in a little bit late. Now, I know some of you walked in late, and it's all your kids' fault, all right? We're going to go with that story. Even if you don't have kids, it's a kid's fault, somebody's kids, right? And uh, so uh, what happens, though, sometimes, and I'm not saying sometimes we're late for good reasons, but sometimes we're late because we just don't care for the worship. You're like, I can get better worship music on Air One. I can get better music on, on, on YouTube. And, and that's all true sometimes. We try to do our very best. But what happens sometimes is really it's a cover-up for where our heart's at. Because there's something about singing. Even if you do not have a good voice the moment you start worshiping. If you're a single dude and you just start worshiping, I'm going to tell you what. The ladies around here, they're going to notice. you be like, oh, look at that. Something nice about that man. Oh man, look at look at oh look at those arms. They are going up. Oh, 
man, you could have arms of a spring chicken. Like, and all of a sudden you just look good. Like all of a sudden it's just like Zeus, right? And it's just like, oh, something about a man that can worship, right? And it's just something about when you start worshiping God and you're just like this big, strong person that's got all together. But then when you lift your arms, arms and surrender to God, you're saying, God, guess what? I recognize that there is somebody who is higher than I am, who is more powerful than I am, who can take care of what I'm going through because it's not all about me, it's all about you. Here's what's so awesome. You may want to write this down. Worship can do for you what worry can never do. Worship can do for you what worry can never do. Here's what's amazing. We love to worry though, don't we? I think worry should be like a national hobby or something, a national sport, because some of y'all are good. Like you are great at worrying. Like you know how to take your worries and you know how to put it on Facebook. You know how to share it. You know how to like it. You know how to get more of it. And you just worry, 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 worry. And it's just no news travels like bad news, right? And you are just like bad news constantly. All the worries, everything. Is God not done anything good for you? I mean, you couldn't wake up this morning and see that God had at least given you some sunshine, giving you some air to breathe, giving you another day to live. Like it's always got to be about a new car, bigger house, better spouse. Really? That, that, that always has to happen for you to give God some praise, give him some worship. You see, you need to get back and step back and say, you know what, God, you are worthy of it. Whether you do anything else for me or not, you are worthy. And I'm going to recognize that God is worthy of praise this morning. You see, I believe what God is looking for is exactly what he said in John 4, for the father is looking. Now, he didn't say a father. This isn't just any father. This isn't just Muhammad. This isn't Buddha. This isn't Harry Krishna. This isn't uh, the founder of the Mormons. This isn't all that. This is the father, the father, not a plethora of fathers. God does not have a duplex for a throne. It is the father says, I am looking for those who will worship me. There is no other God. You see, God said every one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Here's what I've learned, church. We all will bow. It's either we will bow here or we will bow there, but we all will bow. Every one of us will bow. The decision is where, when you will bow. You can make the decision, say, I will bow the knee here. I want to surrender my life to Jesus because he is in charge. Because then Jesus says, I can take those worries. I can take those problems that you're dealing with because too often we get so mired in our worries. Now think about this. The angels, they worship God, but they worship a God that they can see, a God that they can hear. They worship by fact. We worship by faith, a God we can't see. That's a harder worship. Which one do you think pleases your father more? A worship of faith. You're worshiping a God you can't see. You're worshiping a God you may not be able to hear, but yet you do not worship in vain. When you lift up worship, God says, guess what? Your worship can do what your worry could never do. So this morning, worship your God. Give him praise. He is worthy of our worship. But here's what I'm guilty of, and maybe you can see yourself in this as well. You see, too often we're like these three kings. We, we, our, our first reaction is not to go get a guitar. Our first reaction is like, no, no, go get some buckets, get some shovels. Let's get to digging. Let's get to doing. Let's figure out a way to stop this, not let's worship. Why? Because we worship based on circumstance, but God says worship based on my character. 
You see, we need to get back to the character of who God is, not the circumstances. And here's where the church is really guilty. Now, if you're a church member, if you're a Christian here, I'm going to step on your toes. So I gave you full warning. I'm going to step on your toes. What interrupts a lot of our worship is three things. Our personal preference, our religious background, and our uh, when it comes to our emotional experience. These are three things that get in our way of our worship. Our personal preferences. I hear this one all the time. I like it louder. I like it softer. I like it quieter. I like none at all. I'd like for you to shut up. I mean, it's just, we all have our preferences, okay? When it comes to our preferences, it messes up the worship. Why? Because worship is not about me and it's not about you. It's about him. So it's not about my preferences. Let me talk to y'all for a minute. I grew up in a church that we opened a little book called the hymn book. And we had a person that was on a piano. Now, this piano had no outlet to plug into. No, no, this is an old school piano that your grandmama has in her attic, and you got to bang on those ivory keys, and you got to have it tuned up. And most of the time, we were too broke to have it tuned, and so you had off-key, off-key services. But it was all good. We were having a time, right? We opened up our little hymn book, and then we'd all stand up. We'd sing. There was a dude at the front doing this. I was like, is he having a seizure? What is he doing? And then if he got real crazy, he'd do both hands. Woo, we're having a time. Man, he's got both hands. He's extra excited today. But we all had our hands down, our heads down on a book. Amazing grace. And you don't look up. You just read. You got to read. And you read verse 1, verse 2, skip verse 3, go to verse 4. Now, if there's a fifth verse, you skip verse 4, you go 1, 2, 5, okay? You got to know. got to be on top of these things. Otherwise, you, you'd be singing verse 4 and everybody else singing verse 5, and you look like an idiot, all right? And uh, then they make you play the piano that don't work the next week, okay? So it's one of those things where that's how I grew up, but guess what? My preference is different, but guess what? Worship is not about my preference, because that means it's about me. And God says, you're stealing my worship when you make it about you. So there's all different types of styles. Some of you, you like classic rock. Some of you like indie pop. Some of you like R&B. Some of you like jazz, classical, Latin. Some of you like hip hop, rap, pop, indie pop, country. I don't know why country. Some of you like it. I don't know why. And twanging, every country song's the same. Just lost his truck, his girlfriend, his dog. Just, it's the same thing. Just give him those three back and you have every country song ever written. All right, it's all good. Don't don't get offended. And, uh, but when it comes to uh, worship today, modern pop songs, they don't even use a lot of the instruments we use. And so when it comes to worship, we all have our preferences, but we got to say, you know what? I'm not going to let my preference stand in the way of what God wants to teach me about worship. I love what one songwriter, Chris Tomlin said. He said, God isn't moved by the quality of our voice, but by the condition of our heart. So it's not the quality of your voice this morning. So God says, make a joyful sound. So you may have a bullfrog stuck in your throat, but you belt it out. We want to hear that bullfrog sing. So this morning, God is saying, hey, it's the condition of your heart. I was a teenager and I just stopped singing. I just, I just quit. I just was like, whatever. I just didn't want to do it no more. And then I remember the student pastor getting up and he preached a message saying how the first thing to go in a Christian's life is their desire to worship God. But he did say this. He did say, when we worship, the worshiper takes on the image of what is worshiped. Now, stop for a second. Think about modern culture. How kids act, how they talk, how they dress is all influenced by what they worshiped. I was talking to one of our, our church family, and he said the average person listens to 30 hours of music a week. 30 hours. 
I'm like, that's amazing how much time, how much influence, the words, the stuff that they're saying. Music is powerful. Music has power this morning. And guess what? If it was just about a good sound, if that's all God wanted, then guess what? Lucifer would still be leading a choir in heaven if it was just about quality. He'd still be there, but he's not because God's not interested in quality. So if you sit in here and you're saying, I don't have a good voice. No, you sing it out. You sing out because you have a voice. You have a, have a song. You see, creation is waiting to hear what's inside of you. God is wanting us to give off that sound, wanting us to give that off. But some people, they, they hold back because of not only their personal preferences, but also their emotional experience, that they've got to have their emotions into it. And if they aren't feeling it, they ain't going to give it. No, 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 don't wait till you feel it. We've got to faith it. We worship by faith, not by fact. So when it comes to our worship, we give whether we have the feeling or not. Also, religious traditions. Like I said, I grew up in a church that we opened up a hymn book, and we would sing, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And I still don't know what a bulwark is. I, I don't know. Do you know? I just know that when it comes to worshiping God, I shouldn't have to use a dictionary to figure out what I'm saying. Right? Like, I got my hymn on, got my dictionary. What are we talking about, y'all? No, that's, that's not. No, worship should be easy. Uh, my wife's Filipino. I've told you that, and I, I love her to death, but her first language is Tagalog, and my first language is English, and her second language is English, and my second language is still English. And so when it comes to her and I, her first language is Tagalog, so when she uh, uh, is dreaming, she dreams in Tagalog, and uh, when it comes to getting frustrated at me, it'll come out in Tagalog. That's a blessing. I love that when that happens. She doesn't even know it's happening, but it's happening. And uh, so uh, that's just the way her mind works. Now, our relationship would be very poor if she only talked to me in Tagalog. You say, well, then you would have to learn. No, no, I'm not going to learn it. No, no. Google's going to invent me an earpiece that I'm going to stick it in my ear and it's going to translate it for me. I'm waiting for that, all right? Uh, all y'all went to college to learn another language, sucker. I'm going to buy the earpiece, $39.99. Thank you, Larry Page. I appreciate you. And so, uh, uh, you know, so that's, that would make it hard on our relationship. So if I've got a hymn book that's outdated, that it makes me hard, it makes it hard for me to understand God, why do I want that? So it's not shallow when we sing he's a good, good father. No, he is a good, good father. That's still the truth. Yes, you may want some deeper theological words, but ba once again, go back to that's about a preference. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's not anything. If you like it, that's great. But don't force or mandate that on somebody else. If you want to do it, that's great. But sometimes people will say, well, this is the only way to worship God. No, that's what the Samaritan woman did. She said, uh, you Jews say you need to worship over in Jerusalem. We say we can worship right here. And Jesus said, you don't understand worship. You, you can worship wherever you want. It, it's not here or there. No, it's about who you're worshiping, not where you're worshiping. It's about the object of worship. It's getting back to the object. It's getting back to God. All worship is focused on Godward. All worship is directing our heart Godward. That's, that's the goal of meaningful, impactful worship this morning. You see, too many times we, when it comes to worship, we just miss out and we, we get it wrong. You see, God wants you to stand. But here's what's so amazing. I love this passage. Let's go back to the book of 2 Kings. Notice verse 3, and, or chapter 3, verse 14. The Bible says, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for the king Jehoshaphat of Judah. And then so he goes down a list. And then verse 18, he says, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord. Well, he will make you victorious over the armies of Moab. So when it comes to worship, here's what's so awesome. When it comes to worship, you say, why? I still don't get it. Why is it so important that I worship? Because when you enter his presence with praise, he enters your circumstances with power. 
When you enter his presence with praise, he enters your circumstance with power. You say, how did the king survive? Because they said, we're going to praise God right now. When's the last time the bad things happen? You said, right now, before we need to do anything else, we need to drop to our knees. We need to thank God. We need to worship God. We need to give him praise because what we need from God is we need something big right now. I can't do this on my own. You see, what you need to understand, Christ follower, what you need to understand, person who's exploring Christianity, is God wants you to keep dependent on him. He wants to keep you. And I know you're not going to like this word wants to keep you desperate. And I know in culture today, we don't like desperate people. Like, like all the time, uh, people will tell a guy, man, dude, you're too desperate. She's not going to like that. Stop being so desperate, man. You're always checking your phone. You're always calling her. Stop that. You look needy. You look thirsty, man. Like, chill. Just back off a little bit. Or you'll see somebody who's just too desperate for their job, you know? We don't really like desperate people. You know the one person that does like desperate people? It's God. He likes us desperate for him. And it's in his sovereign plan that he keeps us desperate for him. He keeps us in situations where we need him. We're stepping out and we're saying, hey, we're going to fill up this stadium. And we walked through the stadium yesterday and we started counting seats. That's a lot of seats. And guess what? We got empty seats right now. So how are we going to fill a stadium of 5,000 if we can't fill a church where we already have seats? So we're stepping out by faith saying, hey, God, we believe that you're good. We believe that you can. And so we're going to step out by faith. We're going to worship you by faith. And so we're going to step out. And here's what we know. When we enter his presence with praise, he enters our circumstance with power. Break it down. You can write this down. We win when we worship. You win when you worship. So when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling defeated, that's when you need to say, you know what? It's time to worship. It's time to give God a good praise. It's time to lift him up. In Mark chapter number five, Jesus just began his ministry. And his ministry took off, fed 20,000 people. And he's going to cross the Sea of Galilee to go over the other side. And the disciples, man, they are newly minted disciples. And they are like, man, we picked the right guy to follow. I'm done being a fisherman. I'm tired of smelling like fish. But, man, we got on with this Jesus. And this Jesus movement is taking off 20,000 people. This is exciting. Now we're going to go over to the sea. We're going to reach more people. Did you see those crowds? Did you see what he did with the bread? Man, that was awesome. And then the fish, you keep having fish. Look, I still got fish all over, you know. And. And uh, they were excited and they were going across and you could hear Peter, James and John all talk to themselves like, hey man, we're going to cross the sea. How many people do you think are going to be on the other side? Like, are you pumped about it? And you could see uh, uh, John being like, you know what, I think like 20,000. Peter's like, no man, there should be like double what we had before, like 40,000. And then they asked Thomas, Thomas, what do you think? How many think are going to be there? He's like, I doubt it. You'll get it later, sorry. Bad preacher humor, doubting Thomas. And uh, so all of a sudden they get to the other side and now what's on the other side is not a crowd waiting for them, but it's a guy who lives in tombs. He's chained. He cuts himself with, with sharp rocks. The Bible tells us that he's filled with 2,000 demons. There comes this guy running out of what would be a thriller video and he's walking out of this graveyard and all of a sudden the disciples are like, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, who is this guy? We just left 20,000 and here's one guy and this guy's talking to himself and he's like, hey, I'm just crazy and just spazzing out. And they're like, Jesus, let's turn the boat. Let's go. Let's go. But Jesus always leads the crowd to go after the one. 
He always leaves the crowd to go after the one. Why? Because Jesus is not so concerned about the crowd because, after all, the Father is looking for those who will worship him. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that this man who's possessed with 2,000 demons, you thought you did a lot of things wrong. You thought your life was pretty messed up. He's got 2,000 demons inside of him. Like, you didn't even know there was 2,000 sins you could commit. This guy's committed every sin, and it's inside of him. And all of a sudden, this man, he sees Jesus, and it's amazing. Jesus is not, a, because of his Jewish tradition, is not allowed to go into a tomb. But guess what? Jesus, hey, he, he, he came to him, and the man came out, and Jesus said, hey, the dead can come to me. And the man comes to Jesus, and he sees him. And all of a sudden, the man says something powerful. He says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus, son of the living God? It's interesting when he says that. Because demons can't worship God. Because if they could, they wouldn't have been kicked out of heaven. That was the only thing the man said. That was the man speaking. He had one shot to say something to Jesus. And at that moment, Jesus said, come out from him. Jesus cast those demons out. And the next moment, scripture says, they saw the man clothed and sitting in his right mind. You see, the man gave what the only thing he could give to God. You're Jesus, son of the living God. Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood had not revealed this to thee, but my father, which is in heaven. The man who was at his lowest point, a man who, when people would come out to check on him to see how he was doing, you know what they were wanting to do? They wanted to make sure those chains were good and tight. That's what they wanted. And all of a sudden now, they see this man who's clothed and he's sitting in his right mind and the townspeople come up and the Bible says the townspeople were afraid. Why were the townspeople afraid? Because some people like you better when you're broken. They don't want to see you whole. They don't want to see you rejoicing and living in the favor of God and the promise of his blessing. They like to see you broken, but it's your praise that'll bust you out. It's your praise that'll set you free. It's your praise that'll cast out those things. It's your praise that'll do the work. So this morning, you have a praise to give God. This morning, you have a word, and it may not be the most eloquent praise. It may not be the prettiest praise. It not be the, may not be the greatest praise, but if it comes out of a person who is chained and naked and scarred and filled with demons, Jesus says, I'll take that praise. It may be your last breath, but God says, take that last breath and give me that praise. Give me that Hail Mary praise, and I will set you free, and I will do miracles, and I will rejoice over you, and I will do great things through you. Because Jesus takes that man and he sends that man to go reach his family. You see, Jesus always leaves the crowd to go after the one. And you are here this morning. You are his one. And he only wants one thing from you. And that's your praise. That's your worship. And life is worship. What you do tomorrow is worship. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. You see, We need to be a church that's not marked by just our generosity and what we do in the community. We need to be a church that's marked by our worship. See, God is looking at San Jose, California, and he's looking over the landscape, and he's saying, where is the church that worships me, that with reckless abandon they worship me? They don't care who's watching. They are worshiping me. Yesterday, I took my son to go ride our horse. And another lady was there, and she said to Austin, she said, Austin, you're afraid of that horse. I said, I'm going to break that fear right now. 
close your eyes, let the horse run, and just hold out your hands. You know how scary that is for a six-year-old boy? My horse is 1,500 pounds. He's 16 hands high. He's a big boy. My son is like dripping wet, maybe 39 pounds on top of this 1,500-pound animal. And she said, Austin, you sit up there. You close your eyes. And when he runs, you feel his rhythm. And you let your hands out. And I kid you not, a smile went on his face as his eyes were closed, as his hands were outstretched because he was totally surrendered to something greater than himself. And that is true freedom this morning. And if you want to experience that freedom, you're saying, God, I cast myself on you. God, I surrender myself to you. God, I worship you with all that I am, with all that I have. I give it all to you. I hold nothing back. Nothing is mine. It is all for you. And God says, that's it. There there's the one, there's the one I will change the world with, with that one who will worship me with eyes shut, total commitment, total faith. That is what Jesus is looking for. And it is Jesus finding that here because that's what he wants. Some people that understand that the battle is the blessing. The battle gives us an opportunity to worship our God. Stand up on your feet if you receive it this morning. Clap your hands and give God praise this morning. We need to sing. We need to rejoice because he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of all praise. In Revelation it says that I saw God high and lifted up and I saw the train of heaven and it filled the space and I worshiped him and there was a multitude without number who were falling down at the throne and they said worthy, worthy, worthy is the king, worthy is the lamb that was slain, all power, all glory, he is worthy of all church, give God praise and give him worship. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.